0: Chapter 4, ready for 13. We've been talking about the sin offering, and we talked about the sin offering for the anointed priest, that is the high priest. But that's not the only person for which a sin offering would be offered. So, 13 to 21.
1: Now, if the whole congregation of Israel commits error, and the matter escapes the notice of the assembly, and they commit any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, and they become guilty. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a bull of the herd for a sin offering and bring it to the tent of meeting. Then the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be slain before the Lord. Then the anointed priest is to bring some of the blood of the bull to the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times. Before the Lord in front of the veil. He shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord in the tent of meeting, and all the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He shall remove all its fat from it and offer it up in smoke on the altar. He shall also do with the bull, just as he did with the bull of the sin offering, thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and they will be forgiven. Then he is to bring out the bull to a place outside the camp, and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is the (coughs) sin offering for the assembly. Alright, so this is the sin offering for who?
2: The assembly. Meaning? (coughs) The people. people.
0: Yeah, the whole group. (laughs) You know, sometimes there are like collective errors of the congregation as a whole. And in this case, what are they supposed to do? That sounds like what you were supposed to do for the sin offering for the high priest. Well, he would be a part of the whole congregation, wouldn't he? So this is the high priest on down. And what was the procedure that was supposed to be followed with this bull?
3: It seemed you had representatives of the people who then put their hand on the head of the animal.
0: Yes. The elders of the congregation, as representatives for the group as a whole, they put their hand on that bull. And then what procedure was followed with like the the body of the bull and the blood of the bull and all that? that remind you of anything? Uh, like
3: the priest did.
0: Pretty much the same procedure was followed. Don't you sing that? I mean, and then some of the blood was put on the horns of the uh, altar of incense, and the rest of the blood poured out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And they take the fat, burn it on the altar, and then what do they do with the bull itself? So pretty much the same procedures. The blood was sprinkled inside the tent. The animal was burned outside the camp. Uh, So this is a very similar thing. And I think, again, the priests were not allowed to eat of this sacrifice because they're a part of the whole congregation. And so they cannot eat of their own sin offering, which, since they're a part of the congregation, it involves them too. Do you have comments or questions on this section? Only well, every section were so repetitive.
3: John, it indicates in verse twenty that they're gonna, their atonement will be made and they shall be forgiven. So there's, I got a couple things I'd like to ask about that. Sure. The, the first thing I, I would ask is that that is not stated back in the previous section we talked about for the priest. Uh, do you think there's any significance to the fact that? it's not mentioned back in the previous section when it is in this and, and all subsequent sections about being forgiven.
0: I doubt that it is significant because I think that the sin offering would have provided the atonement forgiveness. So I'm not sure why it wasn't mentioned, but I I wouldn't see a reason that the high priest wouldn't be forgiven by this also. The other thing I wanted to say about this is that
3: I have I have come to this passage to, to try to understand God's um, willingness and ability to forgive, even under the old law, even with the sacrifice of animals, because it clearly seems to say that forgiveness is what is the result of, of this sacrifice. I agree. Yes, yes I think so. Uh,
0: that's not a big surprise. I mean, think about David. And uh, Samuel uh, Nathan rather coming to him and, and uh, rebuking him and he repented and Nathan said, "Your sin is forgiven." And um, Psalm 32 talks so much about the relief and blessing of forgiveness uh, after the repentance and confession. And that passage is used in Romans 4 to talk about what it means to be justified by faith. It means to be forgiven like David was. So I think clearly the Bible indicates that people in the Old Testament were forgiven. The only thing that's difficult for us about that is, how can you forgive somebody without the sacrifice of Christ? What's the answer to that? It's
4: not forgiving for sins, it's forgiving them for
1: what they did, he is
0: not. No, I think it's forgiving them of their sins.
1: What?
0: What? Reach back to them or what? Yes, it's not being forgiven without the blood of Christ. That's the thing. The people in the old covenant that were forgiven were forgiven based upon the coming sacrifice of Jesus, at least based upon that in God's rationale of being able to provide the forgiveness. And when Jesus died, I believe that he showed how God was just in having forgiven their sins, Romans 3.25. So I think God forgave because He knew that Jesus would die and shed His blood that would provide the forgiveness for their sins. I
2: think, I think, uh, I think what, you know, like we said before, a lot of these things are, that are in the Old Testament are just foreshadowing of the New. So, in a sense, in a, in a figurative sense, the blood of bulls and goats is the blood of Christ in the Old Testament. Uh, it's not as perfect as Christ's blood was, but that's the foreshadowing. Sure. Or the requirement that was that was required that was finally fulfilled in the, in the name.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, we know that the blood of bulls and goats, according to Hebrews, cannot take away sins. Mm-hmm. But the blood of bulls and goats did foreshadow Jesus' blood that took away sins, not only of the people who lived after him, but also of those who lived by faith before him. Hebrews 9.15 9 also, I think, indicates that. So I think they were forgiven... But it wasn't without the blood of Christ. It was based upon the sa- coming sacrifice of Christ.
5: And right. the same thing is true in baptism. There's no intrinsic power in the water that we're immersed in, but it's only in Christ because of our obedience. Absolutely. It's the same thing was true with pro sacrifices. No intrinsic power in that sacrifice, but in their obedience to that and view of what Christ
0: did. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. that's a good thing. Exactly. I think
6: in some ways the sacrifice... <laughs> the, the sacrifice showed their inability to recover the sins. That there was no way that they could do that every single time they messed up, they had to do this. I think it shows how
0: enabled they were to do that. Well, and, and, I mean, you know, Hebrews make the point of <coughs> if they and themselves really took care of sin, why do you still have to offer it? You know, if you get cured of cancer... Why do you still have to take the medication, you know, for, for cancer? So, um, the blood of bulls and goats did not cure the sin. They still needed to be offered. So what forgave sins was the coming
2: sacrifice, of Christ. Hebrews 10, 3, which you're having reference there to, it says, but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. So every time that they, they offer those, they realize that they... Been forgiven because they had to continually, uh, or they had been forgiven, I'm, I'm sorry, but they realized that they, yeah, they're reminded of that every year that it, it wasn't perfect in a sense. Yeah, that wasn't really the ultimate sacrifice because if it was, they wouldn't have kept
0: offering it every right, year. Right. Every year they keep offering the blood of bulls and goats, and so clearly that in itself is not adequate. I really don't think people in the Old Testament had a way to completely understand the mechanism through which God forgave. I believe they had a consciousness of being forgiven. Surely David did, and others. But I don't think that they could have really understood, you know, the theory behind that. How can God do that and still be just? And I think Jesus shows that. Yes, Eric. Is there a sense, too, in which,
7: like, the sacrifices were pleasing to God, I mean, like, like the sweet-sweighing-roam idea, and then because of that God turned away his wrath from
0: them? Sure, sure. God wanted them to offer the sacrifices. He was pleased by that. That was something that God liked um, as, an ex- as an expression of faith and obedience. Absolutely. Okay. Other comments.
8: So, when people say that the sacrifices
6: didn't forgive sins, they just like rolled them forward or whatever.
0: Is that inaccurate? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's not inaccurate to say that the sacrifices didn't forgive sins. That's true. Sacrifices can't forgive sins. God forgave sins on the basis of the blood of Christ. But the idea of rolling sins forward, I don't find that in the Bible. I don't think that's. A, somebody may want to contest that. But I don't think. I don't think there is uh, any biblical justification for that. We take that often out of Hebrews ten, but it's just a misunderstanding of Hebrews ten. Though sacrifices didn't
9: in one sense, take away sin. In a very real sense, they did do that, because sin requires death. And so the death of the animal did take the place, did take the punishment of the sin. And so the sins were forgiven, in one sense, on the basis of the sacrifice themselves, but also ultimately God knowing that Jesus was going to come could, in a more real sense,
0: Yes, you're right. I mean, their concept was, this animal dies in my place, and therefore I don't have to die. But, Hebrews would say, if you stop and think about it, there's no way that a dumb animal can ever really take your place. You know, it's not an adequate substitute. And so, really those animals were the foreshadowing of Jesus who would provide the adequate atonement. He would. He was a, a, a spiritual being, and he could actually offer himself as a substitute for us, he really could take our punishment upon him. So, you know, on a lot of things, you know, we need to look at all sides of the elephant. You know, if we only look at one narrow aspect, we may get a misconception. You know, and so in many of these things, there are kind of broader general principles. It's helpful if we can try to analyze several different aspects and things the Bible teaches to try to get a more complete picture. I think we tend to be really good at pulling out one part of it and magnifying that and making that everything and then getting kind of a skewed view of it all. All right, other comments and
10: questions? Kelly? A on this, with, with the sin offering here, at least in two examples, they pour the blood out. It's a bloodier scene, it seems to me, and just may have reinforced the sinfulness of what they had done, and therefore, what I'm saying, that (coughs) this substitutionary animal blood.
0: Absolutely. You've got the the blood sprinkled seven times toward the veil, and then daubed on the horns of the incense altar, and then poured out the base of the altar of burnt offering. Of course, I guess there'd be quite a bit of blood in a bowl. Uh, but yeah, I mean the blood's all over the place in in these sacrifices.
7: Was there one bull for the whole congregation? I think so. I think that's kinda neat considering what we've already seen with everything else, that there was it seemed to be at least well, we haven't got into the specifics, but if one person messes up, then one animal is taken. Well not necessarily one. Uh oh am I trying to say. There used to be we, used to, we were commenting on how expensive it would be, how uh, much it would affect the individual's lives um, because it was part of their livelihood and income. And this is different in a way that it's just one bull for the whole congregation. And I thought that was neat considering God's mercy. And he could have required them each to bring their own bull. And he didn't. He he only required
0: uh, one bull for the whole congregation absolutely that's a very good point Um, I've read a comment this is from later but this makes the point he's going to talk in chapter 5 about some of the alternative offerings for the poor And, and I read this comment how gracious and merciful is God a mere cup full of flour for the sin of your soul you know, it's amazing. If, if they'd have had to bring all the animals on the world and God would forgive them, that would still be a very small thing to do considering the gravity of the situation. Any, anything God would give us to do uh, and based on that condition, He would give us forgiveness. It would be tremendous generosity and grace on His part and much more when one bull for the whole
2: congregation's sin. I think along with your idea, too, I've thought about that before. It's, it's ironic that <clears throat> we owe we owe God something that we can't pay back because nothing truly belongs to us. It all belongs to God. But God allows us, you know, in, in the Old Testament, He allowed them to give something that already belonged to Him back to Him for forgiveness of sins. It's a little bit ironic, I think. I, I owe you $100, so I'll borrow $100 from you to pay you the, the $100. You know I mean? It's almost that that silly. Uh, uh, Yes. Uh, That's a really great
0: observation. It reminds me of Joel 1 and 2, where the locust plague had destroyed the crops and had taken away their ability to offer the sacrifices to ask for forgiveness. And in Joel 2 and verse 14, he encourages them to return and rend their heart and not their garments, to repent and in verse 14, he says, Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. <laughs> maybe, he'll, maybe God will bless you again with the opportunity to have something to sacrifice. You know, it, it's very much like that. It's kind of like, it's so much like, really, what we do sometimes with our children. You know, if we've got a birthday or something, they really want to do something generous for us. <laughs> So we give them the money so they can buy us a present. You know, know, and uh, we appreciate their, you know, desire and their spirit in that. But but we gave them the money to do it, you know. And that's exactly what God does. He gives us the stuff, the life, the, the resources to be able to offer him the sacrifice. Or anything else we ever do for God. We only do with what He's given us that we, in turn, give back to Him.
1: Of course, the ultimate of that is the Lamb of God. who provided for us. We
0: couldn't provide it. Well, absolutely. And it's your concept of Second Corinthians 5 with the reconciliation. You hurt somebody. You offend them. You do something really bad and mean toward them. And they're hurt. And it's somebody you really depend on. It's your boss <laughs> or whatever. And you really, you really did something that you shouldn't have done toward them.
5: <laughs>
0: who do you expect to take the initiative in reconciling? You. <laughs> You're the one who did it. You're the one who needs the job. <laughs> and what if your boss is the one who does all the, who puts forth all that effort? He, he takes the initiative. That's what God did. We committed the crime. God took the initiative. He, he sent said, he said his son and then begs us to accept his sacrifice. That's amazing. And God's grace and mercy in that is unbelievable. If God were to say, all right, you you committed the sin, you make up for it the best way you can, that would be hopeless for us. But God would have every right to treat us that way. Other thoughts? Uh-huh. Um, I realize the blood of Olsen goes, don't, don't, do say. what did it? What did the blood of Olsen goes? I think primarily they, two things. They were the condition that a man had to meet by faith. You know, faith has to express itself. And so God, the man of faith did what God said in order to receive God's grace and forgiveness, and what He did was this foreshadowing of Jesus' sacrifice. It's kind of like saying, What does baptism have to do with our salvation? Well, it's meeting the condition that God laid down that our faith is to express itself in, and it actually symbolizes and pictures Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. <laughs> so, I think that's basically what I understand. Good bulls and goats could not save,
9: but without it there could not be salvation.
0: Yes, because God set that as the condition <clears throat> that faith had to meet in order to receive God's grace and forgiveness. So,
4: they're saying the only way to be saved is by the obedience to God's will.
0: Exactly. God would not give salvation to a
2: person who didn't have faith. And at the time, in the Old Testament, that was, that was all they could do. That's all they were given instruction to do. Right. God couldn't exact more from them beyond what he'd already told them to do. Yes.
0: And often, God gives things based upon conditions that are
2: clearly
0: not, It's clearly not earning. I mean, God gave Jericho to the Israelites for marching around it some 13 times, you know? That really didn't have much to do with getting the walls down, but God wouldn't have knocked those walls down if they hadn't done what He told them to do. So I mean, that's the way that often is. Really, nothing we ever do is adequate to secure those blessings. It's just the the uh, the condition. Max and then
1: Bruce. I was going to say maybe just one other aspect of that is that it is obedience from the heart, because obviously there are many times they offered sacrifices.
0: Good point, too.
1: Excellent point. Bruce? Well, that was one of the points I was going to make, too,
5: that it, it it does something for the person who's offering. It has to purify his heart. Because in verse 3, when we started this, you made the point how to approach God. Without this, they could not approach God. So he said that they may be accepted before the Lord. And so it purified the heart of the, of the uh, sacrificer. And it also... If I'm not mistaken, we'll find out and study that it also purifies the temple, which is a foreshadow of our heart today. So it purifies the temple, so we can
0: approach God. Yeah, no doubt about it. When God gives these conditions, He's such a generous and merciful God that He actually asks us to do the very things that are best for us to do. You know, He could have set arbitrary conditions just to watch us, you know, do whatever. But He actually tells us the things that really help us. And do help our heart and our attitude. Yeah, better. It, it's fascinating to think about it, the amount of planning that went into
11: First Timothy 2 Talks about how God desires all men everywhere to be saved. Uh, you know, he, he wants yeah, them. He wants everyone to be saved and, and you think, well, why didn't he just, you know, after he made man come down and say, well, all right, here I am, so I want you to do not do it? And you think of though just you know, when he sent his own son to us, and how, you know, yes, Christianity started and it was enormous, but. It still, and you just think, what he's done is he's set up this emotional plan to save the most people, as many as who are willing. And that didn't involve him just telling us everything right at first. He had to lead us through stages of understanding, closer and closer to him, until the very fullness of times. And he could establish his church as he meant to be. We could enter into relationship with him. Without priests in between us, without offerings of bulls and goats, but with one perfect offering, And we can have direct access to him now. And just the stages, the ways he's trying to bring us up this understanding of what He is and what He wants from us. And it's amazing that we can all see that now. We are incredibly blessed to live in a time that is the fullness of those times.
0: Excellent point. Amen. Logan? Uh, I was
12: just going to say in the also along with the point of telling what's uh, best for us, there's also not only things that are in the spiritual but also in the physical like with uh, He tells us through His Word many things about science that saved us a lot of time and energy, so that also shows the attitude that God wants us to be blessed uh, as long as we follow his word. He certainly does. God's,
0: God's very generous in every way. Other thoughts? Things through uh, 21.
3: He mentions the elders. Now this is a group of many hundreds of thousands, right? I mean, it's a big group, and so you've got this group of people called the elders Obviously, I'm guessing it's, it's a subset, or is this a special group of people that have been designated as elders, or are we talking about just a representative of some leaders, some older leaders?
0: Yeah, I don't know that I know the answer to that. I mean, you know, even in the New Testament, there were the elders of the people, but I don't know that they were an officially designated body there. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just some older men. Mm-hmm. Somebody got a good statement on that. Seventy earlier back. In- Yeah, it's true. That's
2: true. I, I've always kind of looked at them as is almost like the, uh, the oldest or or the prominent members within any given family. And you know, we had, you know, it seems like it, in the beginning, you know, every tribe had its its leader, and it seems like those were the the men that just like the themselves the as kind of leader of those types of people. Next, <coughs> um, sir.
0: Other thoughts? 22
9: to 26. When a leader sins and unintentionally does any one of all the all the things which the Lord has God has commanded not to be done, and becomes guilty. This sin which
1: he has committed is made known to him. He shall bring for his offering a goat, a man without
9: defect. <coughs> He shall lay his hand on the head of the male goat slay it from the place where they slay the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest is to take some of the blood of the sin offering from with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering. And the rest of his, blo- of his blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. All his fat he shall offer up and smoke on the altar, as in the case of the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him in regard to the sin
0: for duty that's it. This is for the sin of who? The leader. The leader. A leader of the people. Um, like a ruler, I suppose. Some sort of, perhaps uh, governmental leader. And uh, what are the differences between the sin offering for the leader and the sin offering that we've been looking at for the high priest or for the congregation? No. <coughs> it's a goat instead of a bull. And? No. snail. <coughs> All right, a male goat, right? What other differences are there? On the veil. Yeah, it's not sprinkled on the veil, nor is it... Blood. On the
3: uh, altar of incense.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's not even, the blood's not put on the horns of the altar of incense, but instead, where is the blood? Burn,
3: horns of
0: the burnt offering. Yes, horns of the altar of burnt offering, and the rest poured out at the base. So that's a difference. The blood is not taken into the holy place. What else? But that's true really of the sin offering for the congregation and the high priest as well.
9: Isn't it all
0: burned on the on the altar? It's not burned outside the camp. It's nor is it all burned on the altar. But I guess we don't really see that, what's done with the rest of it here, do we? The the rest of it can be eaten by the priest. Yeah, we'll see that later, but so it's not taken out and burned outside the camp because the priest gets to eat it because it's not for him. So you've got several distinctions here now uh, for the ruler, an uh, inferior animal. The blood's not taken into the, the the holy place, and the priest actually eats the rest of the animal. It's not taken outside the camp and burned. Comments and questions on the sacrifice. Shane. perhaps, but I think here he means like a, a governmental official. He's already dealt with the sin of the priests. Why would it be a bill for a leader? Because you think if he's a leader, he's
6: would richer, and so he could
8: offer a more
0: custom. Thing. I don't know. Um, it is... I don't know that I have a good statement about that or, or know what to say about that, right?
4: Because if God said to. Okay, right. Yeah, I was
7: thinking maybe it was because they need to realize that the spiritual leader is more important than their physical
0: leader. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. The priest is more significant than the governmental ruler. That's a good point. And it didn't... It's not mentioned here either
7: about bringing guilt on
0: the people. Perhaps the ruler would not have brought guilt on the people. His sin would not. In the same way that the sin of that high priest that's Responsible for the connection between the people and God would have.
12: Unless he uh, committed a sin such as uh, legalizing something perhaps they shouldn't have or making a governmental move, then they would have had that uh, would be against God and they would have to take up a
0: congregational sin problem. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I was thinking about how much responsibility
6: that the priests had in all of this because they did get a part of this offering and they did have the ability to lead the people astray and how we see with Eli's sons how greedy they could be just the importance that they be strong
1: spiritually because they had a lot of influence on this
0: Mm -hmm. good point
1: do you think that the leader would include this model
0: I would think a king would have fit in this category.
1: I mean, you would think a king would also have some pretty big pull on that. I mean, obviously they did.
0: Yeah. Um, Good point. Other thoughts? James?
9: This is a pretty serious sin, too. I mean, the leader's committee has said, if you look over at David in 51, he, he prays to the Lord to spare Jerusalem on that count. Um, the leader sitting that is a big, big deal. Uh, just, just like the priest um, I think Brian's comment was very valid about that um, I mean the priest is is very much the spiritual leader the people uh, and this leader is, is very much a governmental leader I think we see that the leader, the governmental leader, at the same time even though maybe he's not he doesn't draw people close to God but in a, in a way he protects them and
0: other comments? Uh, ben and Ryan. All right. um, since it says that
1: mostly other than the blood being put on the altar and then poured out and it was conducted like a peace offering, would the leader take part in the peace offering and eat it?
0: No, I think he just meant that... Um, you know, the fat's burned up like in the peace offering. <coughs> Later, he will specifically say that in the sin offering, it's most holy and the priests are to eat it, not the uh, ordinary people. So I think he's just talking about that aspect. Ben?
11: I really like the idea that Ryan brought up about emphasizing the spiritual being more important than the physical. Years. Think about how you know, the Pharisees approached that of offering to God. And they want to make sure one knew how wonderful their gifts were and you how they were given to God. And not uh, focus you know, was on themselves. Right? Look at Naaman. You know, when he cleansed of leprosy he was told him the dip in Jordan seven times, he didn't want to do that he wanted to do something great for God And we think of how you know God tells us what he wants us to do to atone and it may not be the most extravagant and lavish thing which we could want the very rich leader of the people is thinking you know I, I've got all these bulls, I can make a really great sacrifice and I want to go and we need to be very much content with that when we realize that God says he wants us to do things a certain way it may not be always the best way in our lives but realize that if it's
12: what God wants it's going to take care of all we need. No doubt. and when we lose that focus we often start focusing on ourselves and how we look instead so on what God wants right. true. I was just going to say well, he said at the end that in uh, a lot of ways if, we're, uh, if we want to do something a lot more extravagant than what God commands then we're probably more concerned about ourselves and how we look because it's sort of like with the hypocrites who are go praying in the streets about, look at him, he does all this great stuff that they're wanting to do it, and but uh, and he's and with if you do something extravagant and you tell everyone, then that's not servitude; it's more of arrogance.
10: Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? You wonder. If it just. I think you see so, you know, there's struggles and our struggles and vice versa. And um, somebody has the condition to do these things. I mean, whether it's the priest, not so much the priest, but for the congregation, believe, or the leader. Somebody had to say, we need to offer this sacrifice. particular congregation, they congregation, there's sin in the camp. And, I mean, it probably just reminds us all that we need to take, as I said earlier, we need to take sin very seriously in our lives and not and <coughs> just fast and loose with it, and no doubt there were times they needed to do this. The question was, would there be anybody who would be you know, the voice uh, to, to, to say, "We need to please God"? Mm-hmm. Good point. Good comments. Other thoughts.
4: Going back to the, um, the ruler having to do this offering after David's sin in Second Samuel, about after he takes the census yes. uh, of the people, and he and he chooses that so a plague will come and kill some of the people and it stops at the at the threshing floor of Aruna or however you pronounce that does he it says in verse 17 um or no excuse me um at verse 18 go it says Gil this is God speaking says "Go up and erect an altar or Gad excuse me Gil up and erect an altar the Lord and on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. did he offer on this offering there or do you know
0: No, it says uh, in 25, he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Okay. So he
4: didn't offer this because of the sin?
0: Evidently not. Other thoughts? All right, let me say one thing, and then we're going to read 27 to 35. And that is, as this goes on, and we actually have sat down here for a while, and also as we've just eaten it's harder to stay alert. I struggle with that, too. It's really helpful for me, though. I can stand. I can walk around. I can do a lot of things. so I can pretty well keep myself uh, awakened. Feel free to stand if you need to or anything like that. If I see several people getting sleepy at once, I'll just have you all stand for a minute. But uh, that's just, I I struggle with that all the time. So don't feel bad about that. Just stand up. Try not to, you know, block the view of somebody. But but that's fine. All right, 27
4: to 35. If anyone of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord, and anything which ought not to be done, and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has not committed, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering. and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt an offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma like the Lord. The priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You see 35? Uh huh. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the goat on the head of the sin offering, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all the fat, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice to the peace offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by the by fire to the Lord. The priest shall make atonement for his sin. That he has committed, and it
0: shall be forgiven. This is the sin offering for whom? Common person, There's an ordinary individual who sins. Even those sins must be atoned for. Here with the sin offering. Now, how would you divide up this section? What, uh, what do you have? The goat and the lamb. <laughs> the goat is 28 to 31, the lamb 32 to 35. Did you notice anything unusual about the goat and the lamb? Female, female. female yes. There, the uh, prescribed order was a female goat and a female lamb. And essentially the procedure was pretty similar. They were to bring it, lay their hand on the head of the sin offering, kill it. The priest would take the blood, and would he take this blood into the holy place or not? No. no. He did the same thing with it that he did with the blood of the uh, uh, sacrifice for the leader, for the male goat. He would uh, put some on the horns of the altar, burnt offering, pour the rest around the base. And then did he take the body of this animal outside the camp and burn it? No. The priest would actually eat. Uh, the rest of the animal that was not burned on the altar. So this is the procedure for the sin of the ordinary individual. Shane,
4: I have a question. Uh, the only time they would take is it the only time they would take it out and burn it out to the city if the priest did eat it. Is that the only time they do that? Or
0: yeah, I think so. They would not. Yeah, I think so.
4: So they burnt the they burnt the things that the priest would not have eaten in that situation.
0: That's correct. Yes, I think that is correct. There's there's a there's a distinction between the sacrifices which have blood taken into the holy place and the sacrifices which do not. If the blood's taken into the holy place, the the priest can't eat it, and the body's burned outside the camp. This will come into play also in chapter sixteen with the Day of Atonement. Other comments and questions on chapter 4? I
1: was just wondering if you could take an example where the common people sinned, where the leaders weren't involved.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose surely there's just individuals that sometimes did something wrong. Aiken? Yeah, Aiken. That's good. That's good.
6: Well,
0: that was intentional. Yeah, that was intentional. Catch uh, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: Do we have the same person here in verse 27 that we have in thirty-two? Yeah, I one think so. has been called his attention. The other one... Why is it called a sin offering down here? It's almost like he knew he sinned in verse 32 and he's going to offer a sin offering. Well, yeah called attention someone 32 it's like for
0: wrong? Well I don't know, I mean maybe it's pointed out to him in 32 and it just we just are supposed to understand that or in some way he came to know it uh, I think the really the only difference he's intending between these 28 to 31 and 32 to 35 are just the nature of the animal, different animal I don't know, yeah James?
9: I think we're dealing with the same guy
0: yes. um, in
9: 27 this guy has been brought, it's been brought to his attention you're not going to offer a sin offering if you don't want the send this forward and it's obviously been made aware to you somehow that you sin and you need to make an
0: offer so perhaps we ought to understand that in 32 as well
9: yeah I think it's the same guy he brings a goat in 27 but if he brought a lamb yeah. then this is received That's I, think I think it's the same guy in both sections. Like I, the sections I agree
0: How are we doing temperature-wise? I think we probably got too hot and too cold. How many are too cold? How many are too hot? Well, have you noticed how this works? The people up in here are too cold. The people back there are too hot.
7: I have an idea
0: that we ought to play musical chairs. And, uh, you know, and, and have you noticed how this works? Do you, have, you, have you ever thought about which gender generally is too cold? Oh,
5: girls. And, so women, and, oh, and why would it be
0: that most of the girls are right in here? <laughs> <laughs> most of the guys are back there. We got this really backwards. Uh, so, well, I'll
1: do a little bit of modification.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else on Chapter 4? There are a couple more blankets left. All right, there's a couple more blankets. Anybody want a blanket? You want a blanket holler? Well, 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 blanketed place.
2: If you start talking about gender, my experience telling me not to follow you there. <laughs> ah, yeah. Now <laughs> yeah,
0: you always get in trouble. <laughs> Is it cold? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, All yes. um, right. Yes.
7: of that a little off topic, but it's reminded me of the division between the goats and the sheep. Um, does that come from? the offerings, or
0: what? where do we get that? Or was that just an understood thing, that the sheep was better than a goat? I said I'd teach Leviticus, I wasn't teaching Matthew too. I don't know, where do we get the idea of the sheep and the goats? Yeah, but was there something in the background to that? I, I, I. Go ahead. Well, why uh, when Jesus talks about the division of the sheep and the goats, what there was there about sheep and goats, and the sheep were the good guys and the goats were the bad guys?
2: Because Jesus, I don't, know, I don't know specifically about good or bad, but I think, uh, you know, number one, Jesus is called the good shepherd. And he was oftentimes talking to people with an agricultural background. There's some interesting things you can learn about sheep, and that is one of those things, like the verse where Jesus talks about, you know, my sheep will know me by my voice. I've uh, read things where supposedly shepherds at night to, to protect their sheep, they could bring all their sheep in together,
10: corral to them together, uh, and keep them in one place, to make them easier to manage so you know,
2: wild wolves or beasts out in the field or thieves or someone like that couldn't come in and farm their sheep. Now in the morning, uh, it came time to separate the sheep. They had a problem because they're all intermingled. Well, all the sheep if they'd been working with that same shepherd a lot. They knew the voice of their shepherd and each shepherd could call out for their sheep and they would separate themselves. So, I, I think see. that's the analogy that he's using there, that the sheep recognize his voice. Yeah, and John 10. Him.
0: Yeah, we're thinking a little bit more about like Matthew 25 and the division of the judgment day
2: between the sheep and the goats and why. I don't know why goats get the rap. But, you know. <laughs> well,
12: I've always thought it was about, was it was called the sheep and the goats because Isaiah refers to Jesus as the lamb. Okay.
0: Ben, you got an answer?
11: I don't know how much we're bearing this staff, but I think generally sheep are a more domesticated animal. We you know, their their hair makes finer cloth, their meat turns through better. Those mm-hmm. Goats are kind of crazy, you know. and everything, yeah, and they a lot of meat. usually. And sheep are just generally, in my experience, I'm not much of a farmer, I'm much more domesticated. Okay. You're a goat. <laughs> <laughs> if the
2: goat ate the, ate the rag top off of your convertible car, which one would you like better? <laughs> uh, I, that
12: was a bad <laughs> joke.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the only difference I see, I don't know if this will make a difference, but the sheep don't have no protection except for the shepherd.
10: And the
0: goats have horns and they have teeth, I'm sure, that she everything else, but that's the only thing I see, that, I mean, that one has protection, and the other has, I mean, they have they have nothing else to defend themselves with, the goats do. You, I want to thank Michael for this question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, you may not have gotten the right answer,
12: but you certainly got a wide variety of answers. <laughs> we're, we're creative, if nothing else. Sheep are as greedy as
0: goats are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to uh, ask about? Uh, Leviticus 4. Uh,
6: is, it, is it possible, I don't know, that maybe not so much that sheep are good and goats are bad, but just that we're separating them and we don't want the
8: sheep to be with the goats because they're different?
0: I don't know. Should we rehabilitate the image of the goat? <laughs> I don't know.
12: We have to go through
8: the um, Well, we
6: where David offered, like, brown things and he took the census. So, like, apparently there were times when they brought, like, more than one animal. Oh, yes.
0: So, like, I don't know, it almost seems when, read, when
6: we're reading through, like, he's like, one, he's going to lay, lay his hand on B. Yeah. But, like, I guess, do they normally
0: bring a lot more than one? Or No, it depends in certain circumstances. So, with a woman brought two different animals. Yeah, sometimes they bring more than one. But we'll see. We'll see a lot of different cases. But then you also had like the fe- feast days and other things that weren't associated with just individual offerings. But even individuals were sometimes commanded to offer more than one. But here,
8: like what we're talking
0: about, before, like, that's just... We're just seeing somebody offering one. Okay. You know, again, this is kind of the manual for how to do the sacrifices. When and how much and under what circumstances, that comes later. Not much later, because we're about to chapter 5, where he's actually going to talk a little bit about that. Anything else on chapter 4? Good. Alright, chapter 5. Would somebody read 1 to 6? Okay, here are some specific cases in which a sin offering needed to be offered. In one, what's the case? A witness. A witness who...
4: mm,
0: Yeah, fails to testify when he knows the answer, withholds evidence. It was the duty of the witness to come forward and give his testimony in the interest of truth and justice. And uh, if he didn't do it, there's a there's a, a public oath for everyone who knows to come forward and testify, and he doesn't. He's guilty. kind of reminds us of how the Christian needs to bear testimony <laughs> of the Lord and not withhold that. It might be a good application. Isn't
9: that a...
0: Maybe. Anyone want to, want to address that? Kyle made a good point. Yeah, well, this seems more purposeful in verse 1. We're, Yet yeah, we're dealing with unintentional so ben. Maybe if you look at you know, verse 4 about the person
11: who makes a move thoughtlessly, and you want to see that person just did that completely on accident, you don't realize perhaps, you don't think all the way through, you think of maybe seeing something. Why would they not want to talk about that? Or well, maybe they were scared. Maybe it's so they not it maybe the same idea they're not necessarily thinking it through, though they do decide to do this. And you know that's much <coughs> different from premeditating to you know, do something and lie about it and not prepare what it is. So
0: perhaps that's not a good question, Kyle. Right, Orion two What's the guilt? The person touches the
8: nine?
0: Yeah. Like Dead animal. Dead unclean animal. Uh, Or in three. If a person touches a human uncleanness? Yeah. If human uncleanness and touching that. Or in four. person swears speaking thoughtlessly with his lips. Yes. A thoughtless oath, an improper oath. Here are four specific cases of when someone is guilty and what he needs to do about it. Do you have questions or comments on these cases in one through four? Not that I can answer, but we'll talk about it. What was the first one? The first one is when he fails to give testimony uh, even though he knew, even though he was a witness, withholding evidence. Yeah. By swarming things like insects and bugs or yeah there's a list of kind of some characteristics of swarming things in chapter hard to 11 avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yes although especially
12: in the middle east because there is a lot of there's a lot more species them than around here
0: Locusts. and, and like that. now here's something is a sin offering always offered for some wrong not always. So, sin offering, some of them suggest we need to even retranslate that as like purification offering or whatever. There were some situations in which it wasn't wrong. And yet, in some of these it is, um, but that, that's not a given in every case with the sin offering. With the oath, like, could Jephthah
9: have made the sacrifice? Made
0: I probably should have.
9: So he didn't have to keep his own. Shouldn't have kept his own. No. Yeah. yeah. So, right. so what you, you were saying there is that, like,
10: in the cases of, of cleanness and uncleanness, it's not necessarily sin. Right. It's just a matter of being clean or unclean,
0: but still this had to be. Still, sometimes a sin offering had to be offered. And yeah. what
10: separated got from yeah.
0: Yes, because so they were unclean. They were clean.
10: Yeah.
7: Well, that's okay. Good. I mean, things that again you couldn't control. something like chapter twelve, right. You can't control some things, and God still calls them unclean.
0: Right. And so you have to do. uncleanness was not necessarily sinful, Josh. So
8: members.
0: We hope so. The priests were doing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <had a>
10: question?
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think so. It's like
10: the woman who had the issue of blood flow this She
1: wasn't necessarily at the center, but she was not planned so Right.
2: To
0: participate in the work that was done publicly. Absolutely. Yes. Leviticus 15.
3: Yeah, John. Five is interesting, though, because. You know, it says, so it shall be when he becomes guilty in one of these that confess that in which he has sinned.
0: Yes. I know. So, I still, my point stands. The sin offering was not always offered in the case of sin. uh, Certainly, I think one and four we can say was definitely sinful. Maybe maybe he's saying two and three are.
2: I don't know. Um, Gary. Yes. This is just a thought. Um, I'm not real confident on this, but talk before where sin is just missing the mark. If you're unclean, you miss the mark. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've done something wrong. Would that be a, a fair comparison? I think that's a
0: possibility. That this would not always mean, you know, perhaps sin, but not being clean or whatever. I don't know. This is a kind of a complicated question, James.
9: Am I understanding the fourth wrong? Um, is this a rash oath or an oath uttered too quickly? Yes. Uh, is a rash oath a sin?
0: Uh, yes. I think so. Um,
9: with the rash oath, I want to talk about it somewhere. I can't find, couldn't find it. Um, but wasn't a man made to keep his oath? But a woman could be told no, she couldn't keep it. Yeah. Uh, keep what is that?
0: Numbers? Somewhere in there? Yeah, uh, I think it's near the end, but I could be wrong. Numbers uh, thirty, I think. So yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good thing. Number thirty, I think. Yes.
9: Okay. Yes. Um, I don't know. If it's this kind of falls into it, but I think a lot of times we are, much too lenient. That you know, well, they didn't mean to do it. They didn't. It was an accident. Well, I mean, it's an unclean animal. you touch it. You shouldn't be near it. Whether you meant to touch it or not, you still did it, and it was wrong. Um, even though, you know, it, wasn't, it was an accident, God. Well, who cares? I mean, I told you not to, and you did it. Um, whether it's an accident or not, it's still a sin.
0: And maybe, maybe we should count two and three as being sin. Ben? Yeah, and and this whole idea, we're going to talk a lot more about it, but the whole idea of uncleanness did not necessarily mean you were guilty before God. I mean, a mother was unclean for 80 days after a girl was born. She hadn't sinned. She was unclean for 40 days after a boy was born. She hadn't sinned. She wasn't cut off from God in a bad sense. You know, in a sense that like going to hell or something like that. Um, but she was separated from being able to come near God and approach Him.
10: Yeah, and it's really a good point that we maybe we think these the things too much in terms of me and you know and how it affects me or something. Really, the emphasis there is on God and that He is holy, and you won't approach Him if you're in these situations just because of who He is. And these laws make all that very clear.
0: That's a really important point. That's probably one of the better points we've made here about this. That's right. And, and what we need to see is that you have to be in the right condition to come to God. You know, he's teaching us some lessons in this. And he's teaching us the lesson that you have to be, you have to be, you know, in a clean uh, condition to be able to come near come God. You know, not, you can't just come to God in any situation. But, but still in all, there are situations of uncleanness that we shouldn't interpret as moral evil.
1: Now, whether or not,
0: you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should look at all of these as being, you know, positively sinful in 1 through 4. Uh, at any rate, they made you unclean. They made you need to offer a sin offering, and you need to confess that in which you would sin, and bring the, the sin offering, the female lamb or goat, and have the priest make the atonement. Uh, Instead of trying to cover it up or deny it or whatever, you needed to go through the proper (coughs) procedures to make atonement for (coughs) that. Yes? Is there a reason why the woman is unclean if she has a girl instead?
6: Is there a reason why she's unclean for
8: more days?
6: She's unclean for twice as long.
0: What the reason is, I do not know. There's lots of speculation, but I don't know. That's a very good question. James? Um, I had a question. Uh, it was a good
7: one, Eric. So are you saying that the first six verses, five verses here, is a sin offering still? Yes. What, what about why does verse six say you shall bring a guilt offering?
0: The same thing. Yeah, I know, but it, you're guilty, but it's still a sin offering. He shall bring a guilt offering to the Lord for his sin which he's committed. A female from the flock, a lamb or a goat, as a sin offering. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a I can mess this up a little bit, but it's, it's, it's still sin-off.
9: Okay, I got my question. Oh, good. <laughs> an unclean person could not go to the of meeting, right? That's correct. How could an unclean person then make the sin-off?
0: Well, you can go with the sin-off. <laughs> <laughs> correct, right? Yeah, yeah it's like
7: later, later with the diseases that you couldn't be checked to make sure you were clean now. Unless you went to the Unless
0: you had contact with Jesus, right? So. Yeah, I mean, you go with your. It's kind of like us. We're out of fellowship with God because of our sin and rebelliousness, and we want and we can't. We can't approach God. We can't have access to God. What about if we repent and turn back to God? Can we? Yes, we can. We can come to God even though we've been separated from. Him. I thought what John was saying about the
6: it is circumstances I was reading, I think it was two men and he was talking about that, that there are more yes and no and black and white than we think there are. And lots of times we say, oh, well, they're having a really hard time, or you don't understand their circumstance, or well, considering the other things they used to do, instead of saying this is wrong, and Mm
0: -hmm. good good point yeah Yeah, we certainly don't have to uh, you know premeditate and have a positively malicious spirit to do wrong and need to be forgiven other comments yes how exactly do you compare with sin and a mistake well I mean sin is something that you do that God says is wrong. Now, mistake. sometimes we use a mistake for just, you know, not something that's morally wrong or wrong before God, but something you just, you know, you make, make a mistake on your test in school. That wasn't a sin.
8: Well, like, somebody said something about something about that it didn't matter. Like, any, any excuses, it didn't matter. Well, I mean, I still think you should, but I just didn't understand
0: Yeah, Well, sometimes we might do something wrong and just say, oh, I was just a a mistake and not really admit it. Not really turn to God and ask for forgiveness because we're like just trying to
3: laugh it off. Does
0: that make sense?
3: Yeah. Gary, I think on that, it has a lot to do with the heart of the person. And I think that's what maybe John is talking about in his first John letter, that the one who practices sin versus the one who sins and can be forgiven you know, you've got you've got both people who are guilty of sin, but one has given themselves to sin; the other is trying to serve God and makes a mistake. You know, they 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 falter, they err. They're sinful, but God's God's relationship with them and 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 uh, their ability to be forgiven and to turn back to God is different from one who says, "I'm giving my life over to sin and practice sin."
0: Definitely. Good point. Well, again, there's lots of different angles on some of these things, and we need to think through it. The idea of sort of laughing <coughs> off sin and sort of just, oh well, you know it's tough. I, you know I can't really be expected to do well. Well, that's totally wrong. The idea of you know, well, you're not perfect, you have no relationship with God, that's also totally wrong, you know. Because we we have assurance and security as we walk with the Lord, even though we commit some sins from time to time, we continue confessing and we continue praying and we continue living with the Lord, and His blood continues to forgive us. We take those seriously, though. We don't when we when we do sin that needs to be serious to us, and we grieve that, and we turn to the Lord, and He can maintain that relationship with us. Someone wants to ask a question.
12: Hi. Ah. Okay. All right, uh, well, I actually have a comment to where uh, people say that they make excuses for their sin. They say, well, I have a weakness in that. Uh, everyone, every person in this room everyone in the world has a weakness somewhere in sin. But that doesn't make it all right. That just means we have to work harder to overcome it.
0: I agree. That's right. All right. Other comments and questions through verse 6. Well, let's move to uh, this next section, kind of interesting, 7 to 13. For he cannot afford a lamb, then he <laughs> shall bring them to the Lord, as
9: his compensation for the sin that he has committed, two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for sin offering and the other for burnt offering. And he shall bring them to the priest, who shall offer first the one for the sin He shall wring his head from his neck but shall not sever it completely, and he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out the base of the altar. It, it is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the rule, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring as his offering for the has that he has committed a tenth of it of an equal fine flour for a sin offering he shall put no oil in it and he shall put no frankincense on it for it is a sin offering and he shall bring it to the priest and the priest shall take a handful of it as as its memorial portion and burn this on the altar on the Lord's food on the Lord's food offerings it is a sin offering thus the priest shall shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed and anyone's and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be given to the priest as a grain offering. Okay.
0: He can't afford a lamb. What can he do? Bring two young pigeons, one is a sin offering, the other is a burnt offering. And bring them to the priest, and so forth. He's going to take two, but he can, he can substitute birds. What does that tell you about God? He's a just- merciful. He's very merciful. He wants everybody to come to him. He didn't want people to come with lavish sacrifices. He wanted for people to come and receive lavish forgiveness, no matter what they could afford to give. He wants the people to come, and he doesn't want the money to be a barrier. And what if he can't afford the two birds? Bring some flour. Bring some flour as a sin offering. Uh, Well, you know, could you? What if you couldn't afford it?
3: Then you were having a really,
0: really bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. What well, What about if you couldn't afford flour? Where'd flour come from? You could glean. You could glean. You didn't even have to have any. You could go into somebody else's field and, and leftovers. You could glean and get it. You can get the flower. That's accessible to everybody. Again, I repeat what I said earlier. How gracious and merciful is God, a mere cup full of flour for the sin of your soul. That's amazing that God would lower the price to the point where anybody can offer the sin offering if his means are insufficient even for the two birds. It reminds me of a passage that I think uh, makes an allusion to this. In Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 22. Um, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no uh, forgiveness. What do you mean what they almost say all things are cleansed with blood? I think this is the exception that made it almost all things are cleansed. Because in this case, there's no blood and flour. So this this is the almost uh, of Hebrews nine twenty-two. I think. Comments and questions.
9: Is there a reason why he's not supposed to take the head off?
0: Uh reason he's not supposed to take the head off. Um, I don't know. No, the same reason we said earlier
5: tonight stretch the
0: wings of the bird, but they
5: did
7: not separate, you know, not be attached. Okay. -hmm. Is there
0: a reason why it's young pigeons? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that for sure. Young pigeons, any thoughts on that?
9: Well, in the other offerings, uh, I think the head is taken completely off on your So, is there, I mean, what... Is there a significant to that had been taken off and not
0: here? Yeah, I guess they did ring off its head in uh, 115 And the burnt offering, but not here in the sin offering. <laughs> Myself, so any answer you all want to give is fine as me. <laughs> this is a self-teaching class. <laughs> Much better that though. way. Other thoughts or comments through five thirteen.
8: Um, about about the whole question about why the pigeon had gone, Do you think it's possible that it was more of a sacrifice because they were. They would have lived longer than if you sacrificed an older pigeon which would have died, like,
0: earlier anyway. That's an interesting idea. Young vision might be more of a sacrifice, because the old one would already be about dead. I
1: don't know if I like that idea. <laughs> Alright.
0: Uh, <coughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this
5: afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Other comments. I think we'd be well off to take a short break here. Uh, this is a really good uh, place for one, and I just think it'll probably be good for our uh, concentration. So why don't we do that? We'll take a break for five or ten minutes or whatever, and we'll come back and keep working.